You're listening to a podcast from Riverview Church in Bowness, recorded during one of our Sunday gatherings. For more information about Riverview Church, for service times or contact details, go to riverviewchurch.uk or find us on Facebook at Riverview Bowness. Welcome. It's 2023. Woo-hoo. Hopefully you can hear me today with my tiny voice. Tom, thanks for introducing me. You might not hear me over my own son, who has a louder voice than me at the back there. <laughs> but yeah, maybe just take a second, just turn around, just welcome somebody that you've not, you've not met, or just say Happy New Year to somebody. Just take a moment, say Happy New Year. Yeah, it's probably, it's probably the last time, you know, once you go over this weekend, it kind of gets a bit like, do you say it, do you not, you're not really sure. So today, I'm going to motivate and inspire you with my nine-step plan to the better you in 2023. (laughs) How to be your best. So it was seven steps, sorry. Seven-step guide to more life this year. This is your year. Only 10.99 at the door. (laughs) Make change your friend. This is the year. But I mean, you know, how much of this do we hear at this time of year? It's all around. I feel like particularly this year, I'm just getting fed more and more of it through Instagram reels and stuff. You know, what you can do, how you can make yourself better and what you can resolve to do. And I don't want to completely knock motivational speaking and resolutions because that's actually can be a really positive thing for us to make changes, to reflect on last year, you know, to get in some good habits, blah, blah, blah. But it can be really useful. It can be really good. So some of you in this room are going to be like super motivated. You're going to be rearing to go for this year. You know, you've made your decisions about what you're going to do. And go for it. That's fantastic. I want to say to you, you can do it. You can do it. Go for it. Amazing. Be motivated. And some of you are going to already have failed on your resolutions. Anybody got a hand? Anybody already failed on the resolution? Oh, there was one couple there. Oh, I feel like making some, right. Some of us might have failed on day one. You know, some of us might be in chapter three of Genesis in our yearly reading plan. You know, you should be further on than that already. Are you four days behind? You know, it can feel that weight of like, oh, I've already failed. And some of us are going to be feeling as flat as a pancake. You know, I said to Josh when I came today, after New Year's, I felt like a slug. I was just like, oh, I went back to work and I just felt like this sluggish thing. And I wasn't feeling very motivated. I wasn't feeling very excited. I wasn't feeling very like full of go. And maybe that's you this, you know, this time of year. Because actually nothing has changed except passing of time, has it? You know, we make all this hype about it, but it's just the passage of time. We're into a new season, but all that happened was we changed from one day to the next. Maybe you feel like you failed over Christmas, you know? Maybe you had things you wanted to do or ways you wanted to be. Maybe you drank more than you wanted to. Maybe you said things you didn't want to over Christmas. Uh, maybe you're stuck in a rut or maybe you're a bit depressed because this is also a time of year that's it's really dark. It's a bit dreary. Uh, moving off from Christmas time, it can be a hard time. And maybe it's the state of the world. You know, as we go into this new season, maybe you're looking around you at the world and thinking, this is actually bringing me down. This is depressing me. So if you're feeling down, there's nothing more like a kick in the teeth than other people around you who are really motivated. I've got all these cool things I'm going to do. I'm going to go over here. I've got a holiday booked. And that can be a bit of a kick in the teeth when you don't have any plans. You don't feel like you know where you're going. And maybe you just feel lost. Maybe you feel like you've got no goals. Uh, Maybe you feel lonely because after that time of year where your family came together, you're now alone again. Uh, And maybe you just don't know where you're heading. 
So I'm sure some of you in this room are feeling like that and it's deep inside and other ones of you are super motivated. So hopefully I want to speak, to, try and speak to everybody on that scale a little bit um, from the highly motivated to the most washed out. And I don't actually have a nine step plan. It's more of a one step plan, to be honest. Yes, manageable, yeah. <laughs> but I do want to share some things that God's laid on my heart. This isn't going to be like a preach where, you know, where I expunge, I like that word, I think I made it up, expunge a piece of text, like usual. I've got some stuff on my heart I want to share. Uh, there's a little bit of a prophetic word here, maybe, and uh, you need to weigh this a little bit more. You know, it's, uh, it's going to be a slightly different word. Uh, there will be some scripture in there, so don't worry um, if, you're, if you're getting worried. But it's kind of about what I feel God is doing, what he's going to do in the church, um, and what we need to be doing, what, what can we do with that in mind and what's coming up. And hopefully I'm going to encourage you in whatever sort of place or state of mind you find yourself in in this moment. So I felt God gave me this word and I've kind of been waiting for the right time to share it. And like I say, I expect you to weigh it. And um, you might disagree, but I expect you to weigh this against scripture too. So this is a word for the church, this first part. And it's all about baking. Hence the weighing. Okay. Yeah, you got it. Yeah. I think we're all aware that in the last year, I certainly feel like there were pivotal shifts in the world. There were definite moments that we came to where it felt like there was, you know, the trajectory of governance and of authority in the world, it changed. You know, it felt like you could just tell this moment something's changed. We've, it feels like everything's going in a different direction. And it was quite daunting at times. And I think we're also aware that it feels like the freedom for us to express our beliefs openly is steadily being challenged. Truth itself is being challenged. It's being downgraded, disguised, and diluted to the point where it's actually sometimes feels impossible to know what's true in the media and on the internet. It feels like you're bombarded with things that you just don't know who's speaking truth. And you know, a lot of people are saying it's getting, things are getting worse for Christians. And I don't think that's necessarily the right phrasing because actually in the past things were a lot worse for Christians than they are right now. You know, especially in the first century AD, you know, it was really bad, really high persecution of the church. I think things are getting less comfortable for Christians. That's what's happening in the West. And I think that's, that's not necessarily a bad thing because what it means is you have to really want to believe what you believe. You have to really think about what you stand for and what you're willing to stand for and fall for. And that isn't necessarily a bad thing. So I think the first thing I've got here with baking is that sifting. I believe God's doing a sifting here, that he's allowing the sifting process. The word I had initially was that he's going to shake everything, then he's going to sift and divide, but not to be afraid, because it's actually him that's doing the sifting. I believe it's the season that we're in right now where people are going to have to or will have to make hard decisions about whether to follow the narrow way, the way of Christ. That might not feel very encouraging, but I think that is the truth. And I think that you may see people around you who you thought were sturdy and committed, and they might give up on things because they want to fit in and they want to avoid controversy. And it's the seed that gets overcome by the thorns. But God is sorting and God is sifting. And I think moving forward, I believe he's going to take, this is as a church as a whole, I believe he's going to then take us into a season of needing and I think this is a mixing and a stretching in a time where the church as a whole is going to be tested and stretched and moved around 
but he's also going to mix together people from different backgrounds. I've seen it a little bit already. There's quite a lot of people from different denominations coming together as the church comes under pressure. And I think that will intensify this kneading and this twisting, and that this pressure is going to mix together lots of people who might have in the past not come together. And I think that's really positive. You know, I think God wants to take people with giftings from different denominations that might have stuck together and mix them through the body and, and move them through the body of Christ. So from a sifting and a kneading and a mixing and a testing and a stretching, it's a lot of words, into a time of waiting and increase, a time of proving. I think there's then going to come a season where we're waiting and God is proving and bringing increase, but he's going to bring maturity in the church before that happens, a season of proving. And I think when you, you know, anybody that knows anything about baking is that when you're proving, Graham knows, you bake bread, you're baking bread, you, when you've proved it, you also knock it back sometimes to then bring it back to increase again. And I think we need to be careful that we keep an eye on the fact that God is mature and that he might do things that seem like they're a knockback to us from the enemy, but actually his hands are all over it. You know, coming back to this building can feel like a knockback, but actually God's hands are on this remember that he's the one that's working the dough. He's the one that's mixing. He's the one that's maturing the church, preparing and maturing. And that's, you know, one of the main things that God gave me with this word is don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. God's hands are on the church. He is working it out. Cling to him. Okay, so that's, that's a word I feel is for the whole church, for, for us as well. And I think that is coming. I don't know, I can't tell you when that's coming and how that's going to turn out, but I think that is what is happening. And I think we need to keep an eye on that and be aware of it. And we need to be more alert to what God's doing and working it in us in a spiritual sense of direction rather than some of our health goals and work goals and, you know, whatever goals it is that we set this year. Those are important things, but we need to be aware of, of what God's doing spiritually. Again, those are fantastic things, and creating great habits is fantastic. And I could have gone there this morning and told you how to make great habits spiritually, but I don't think that that is useful for right this second. With all that in mind, I think there's a big question, you know, of what I've just shared, and that is, what am I going to do this year? Whether you're motivated or whether you're completely unmotivated, what's the main thing I'm going to do? What's... What's the thing I'm going to decide to do, to resolve to do? You've probably already started doing it with making resolutions and stuff. But with what I've just shared in mind, I think the first thing we need to do, this is the first R, is return. Return to the Lord. And return to seeking him above everything else. And if you're not sure what I mean, the other things we've already discussed in the service and have shared have already supported that. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your understanding. Return to the Lord. So God gave me the scripture a little while ago. I think now is the moment to bring it. And it is this return. It's from Zechariah 1.3. Therefore tell the people, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Return to me, declares the Lord Almighty, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. Backing up that scripture, the scripture from Malachi 3.6, which says, I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. What that is is a promise to say, despite your terrible actions, I don't change and I promised you, so I, I'm not going to destroy you. 
Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. So the first R is return to the Lord. Come back to God as the first in our lives. And this is for all of us. You know, God's saying, come back, come back in, draw close to me. And whether you feel washed out or motivated, you know, he's saying, come, come close to me, return to me. And maybe for some, this isn't return, but his turn. Maybe this is the first time that God has called you like this. Turn, turn to Jesus. If you're uncertain or you feel lost, or if you feel like you've got no direction, Jesus is waiting. Just turn to Jesus. And for everyone else who's on a different level of where they are with God, you might feel far away. You might not feel that far from God. It doesn't matter. Return to him. Because what I'm saying is there's a simplicity to how we come before God and how we bring ourselves to him that sometimes everything else distracts us from actually just coming to God in prayer without our Bibles. Oh, controversial. <laughs> because I want to tell you that nothing is more consistent than God. And nothing is more true right now. Jesus said, I am the truth. He said about truth being diluted, about not knowing what's true. Jesus said, I am the truth. Mm -hmm. Nobody else said that. Other people said, oh, I know the truth. Nobody said, I myself am the truth except Jesus. Yes. He is the truth. You know, and in terms of consistency, he was waiting to meet with you on the 31st of December. Is there a 31st? Yeah, there is. <laughs> and he still is now. You know, on the first changed times, for us, all things, sort of things changed. But actually, God was still calling to you to meet with him the same one day to the next because he's consistent. At the end of this year, the, the most consistent thing that will still remain is God. Mm -hmm. Everything else could change in your life. People could die. Your job could get torn away from you. Sorry, that sounds really big and depressing. But it's true. Everything could get torn away from you. But what's the most consistent thing you will do this year and it's be with the most consistent person available, which is God. He is consistent, he's true, and he wants you to come to him and to return to him. And I think, you know, forming, forming good routines, forming spiritual habits, this is amazing, it's really worthwhile. Like, I really emphasize, do that, it's brilliant. But, you know, religiously committing to a reading plan, if you get religious about it, like, oh, I've just got to keep doing it. It's not the same as waiting on God. You know, the word can be this amazing tool for us to come before God. He can speak to us through his word and we can have, you know, bring us into worship. But it's not the same as just listening and waiting on the Holy Spirit. There's a difference to this. As somebody famously said, it's not the Father, the Son and the Holy Scriptures. It's the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God is here. He's with you and he's in you. And he wants to, to, you to meet with him, to engage with him and to listen and worship, to return to him, return to the Lord. Return to the simplicity of seeking God first above spiritual disciplines and readings and anything else that comes in the way. And I want to say most especially, <coughs> excuse me, this is for you if you feel unworthy. Bring your aches, bring your pain, bring everything to God. Just go to him with everything. You know, we don't go to him just when we're feeling like we've, we've done the right stuff. We would never go to him. If we had to do certain things before we approach him, 
we would never be holy enough to come before him. It would just never be true. We couldn't just, we just go to him when we're not enough. You know, don't, don't let your unworthiness or your feelings of unworthiness push you away from God. Let them draw you into him. Return to him. It's especially if you're feeling unworthy. It's especially if you're feeling down or depressed. Press into him, not away from him. And remember that he loved you first. So nothing you can do in your actions can make him love you more. He died for you before you were born. He loved you first and he wants you to approach him, to listen and to speak to him. And even if you ticked off all these things that you think you should do before you go, it just wouldn't make you more worthy. He loves you. He wants you to come into his presence. And it's because of Jesus that we can enter. You know, Jesus made that way. He made that ability for us to come before God and just call on him in that way. Return to the Lord without agenda. And as I said, in this season approaching, that is clinging to him. Trust in him with all your heart. I am talking about prayer here predominantly. Just go to prayer. Go to prayer in a private place. I don't want to belittle us coming together because I think that's a massive part of this as well. But I think personally, we need to seek him more on our own, without flashiness, without agenda, without even coming to him saying, oh, I'm going to pray for this and that and that. Just come to him and just open yourself up before him and prayer will come through that time. Zechariah was speaking to a people when he said this who turned their hearts away from God. And he says, return. And Malachi he was echoing this to another generation who'd done the same. And I, I don't think we've all turned away from God. It's not what I'm saying here. I don't think you're all, you've turned your backs on God. Um, but what I am saying is that we let everything else get in the way very often of actually coming to God and of seeking him. You know, it could be our stress and our despair, or it could be our pride in our religious kind of functions. So strip it away. And that's why I'm echoing this, this call return to the Lord. You could say right now, you could be sitting thinking, this is a call for our nation. But actually, these things begin in the church. I don't believe that God's left or that he's gone anywhere. And Zechariah wasn't, he was saying, you know, was asking God's presence to come back to the temple. Return, Return to him, he'll return to you. But we know that, you know, the Holy Spirit is here, that he has actually been waiting the whole time, whether we turned our back on him or not. He's been waiting waiting for us. He's constant. And as Malachi goes on to say, I, the Lord, do not change. I just want to note for the podcast, anybody listening on the podcast, this is a slight segue. Oh, diversion. Um, Not a segue, that's the wrong word. If If you're listening on the podcast, or if this is the first time you've been for a while, return to fellowship. I just want to say that to you as well. You might be out there listening and you might be worshiping regularly. But God wants you as part of the batch. Yeah. If you're out there and you're thinking, I don't want to be part of this, yeah, yeah. God wants to mature the batch. He wants to mature the dough. And you're like one of those little sticky bits around the outside that you can't get off with the thing. You have to keep going back up the side and try and put them back in the bowl. He wants you to come back in and be in the mix. He wants your giftings as part of his mature body, the church. So don't fellowship on your own. That's not it. You know, come back in, return to fellowship. The the second R is resolve. And my title today was probably didn't make sense. I'm probably going to have some grammar police coming at me here with, with it not making sense. But 
how do we make sure that we keep coming back and how do we consistently come back to him and keep coming back? And I think what we need is we need to have resolve. We need to build some resolve, not resolution. And you might be thinking of the grammar police that those two things are actually very similar. They mean very similar things. But I think that, you know, in our culture nowadays, we've, we've made them res resolution very flippant, haven't we? It's like, you know, to us to now it means set a goal, you know, have a bash, come on, give it a try. You know, it's, it's kind of synonymous now with failure, to be honest, because everybody knows they're going to probably screw it up. So it doesn't really mean what its actual definition is, which is to decide and, and move forward with something. So I think we need to use resolve more than we need resolutions. We need resolve. And in Chronicles, it says that when an army was approaching, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. We need resolve to inquire of the Lord. We need to make, you know, when we make these resolutions and we expect to fail, but resolve is decisive. It's having this focused determination to do something. We need resolve. And this is what I would argue. This is my one-step plan. This is what I'd argue is the most important thing we can do this year is resolve to seek God first, returning to him, to return to him again and again, to inquire of him before we make these grand plans that we all have, that we all want to do. Resolve to inquire of the Lord over and above any practical, healthy resolutions and even spiritual disciplines. Resolve to seek him. And the Logos software that we use for preaching were very privileged to have access to. It's really, really good. Their biblical usage, their sort of definition of resolve as it's used in the Bible is maintaining a position or being steadfast in one's heart. Will you be steadfast in your heart towards the Lord this year? Pressing into him, to know him more, to seek him, cling to him. You know, let's set aside some time, any amount of time to go to him, to wait on him, to seek him. And if you're sitting there thinking, I don't have any time, try seconds, yeah. try minutes, try just resolving to, to put God first in your thoughts, you know, wherever it is, wh whatever decision you're about to do, try and put Jesus first in your thoughts. That's resolve. Before you leave your bed, try and resolve to, to put Jesus first. Before you drive off in your car to work, whatever moment that, that you think you can give, give it to him. Ideally, find a place where you can press in longer because I think that is really important. But if you can't, start by using seconds. That's like a very motivational speaker thing to say, isn't it? Start by seconds. But it does, it's true, it does work. And I think as a church as well, this also speaks to, to us with doctrine and tradition. You know, will we resolve to put God first above the way we do things and above our doctrinal differences to be united with brothers and sisters? If God is really needing, then he's gonna need and mix us together we need to be able to cope with the fact that we might have slight different views on things, but ultimately we believe that Jesus is the Son and, he is the, and God is the Father. You know, it's really difficult because you can have, be at such odds with people who you don't agree with, but we are brothers and sisters and he does want to mix and use our giftings together. And as Paul says in Corinthians, I resolve to know nothing amongst you except Christ and him crucified. You know, he's not coming with fancy lingo. He's not coming with anything except a resolve to make Christ known. A decision in his heart, a steadfastness in one's heart to put the Lord first and make Christ number one. 
And I want to just reiterate now as well that he hasn't changed. God hasn't changed. As Malachi said, I, the Lord, do not change. He's consistent and he waits for you to come. If you're feeling like a bit condemned now, you know, that oh, I don't go to him enough, stop feeling like that. That is not the point of this message. It's not for you to feel condemned. It's not my intention and that's not why I'm telling you this. You know, if you feel conviction to go to him, if you feel motivation, that's great, but not condemnation. Condemnation will force you away from him and not into his arms. Just go to him. The third R, I think it's the third. The third R is repent. As we come into his presence, you know, we did it there when we came at the table there examine yourself as we come into his presence we bring all the failings and we lay them down you know with resolutions you know often we fail often we don't do it what do you do when you start getting four days behind in your readings in genesis oh well i'm sort of like you know chapters and chapters behind i can never catch up now oh well i'll just ditch the whole thing how often do we do? We, we run away from our failures. We hide them. We don't want anybody to see. Hopefully, we didn't tell anybody we were reading the whole Bible in a year because <laughs> we've already failed it, you know? But bring your failings to him. I'm not saying that's like a sin. That's not what I mean at all. But bring your failings. Don't run away from them. Don't hide them. Bring them to God. Bring them to the table. And don't let them keep you from going to him. Bring your failings. Repent as we draw near to him and bring all our stuff to him, you know? Whatever it is, you know, the gossip you already spoke this week when you were trying not to, or what, the things you said to your family at Christmas that you regretted, you felt like were a bad impression of Christ. Bring them, bring them to God. Don't hide from him. Realization of his wrath is not as good a deterrent for our sin than the realization of his love for us in what he did on the cross. It's out of understanding of his love, his sacrifice, that we're motivated to try and put sin to death empowered by him it's not out of fear but out of love for him and what he's done he loved us first we love in response and that motivates us to try not to do things and we bring those things to him even when we fail so as you return bring it all again and lay it all down you know he bought you at a price he forgave your sins and he understands us and he knows what they are don't let anything stop you from returning and resolving to return to the Lord. I'm nearly done now, don't worry if you're losing me. The final R is repeat. I might as well say return again, but my final point is repeat. Repeat the process. Return again and again and again. And put aside the distractions and give him first thoughts. Resolve in your heart to seek him first. And if you're still wondering, where do I find the time for this? Well, just check your Instagram, check your, your, your phone for your phone usage and one, you know, see how many reels you watched and how long you watched them for. Because if you're still going, I don't have time, I bet you watched three hours of reels today or 20 minutes of reels today. And I know we've got to chill out and stuff, but God wants to speak to you and he's constant and he's waiting. So go to God, find some time somewhere. There's a reason that I didn't give you nine tips and habits, because this is individual. You know, I can't tell you exactly where to find that time. Only you and God know your situation. Everybody in this room's situation is completely different from one another. And only you, you know your circumstances. You know, and I've had people tell me before, oh, go to prayer in the morning. You have to go to prayer in the morning. 
The morning sucks for me to go to prayer, to be honest with you. Because James is up, he's noisy, it's really hard. Sometimes I put my headphones on and I go, I'm going to pray despite him making all this noise. It's terrible. It's a terrible time. But the evening works better. That's fine. Go in the evening. Go to prayer. Make space and find time for it, you know. You, only you can decide when that is and how you're going to do that. So I'm just coming to a close now. But Leslie, if you want to come up. This is the most important resolution. This is the most important thing we can do this year and in this next season that we're entering is resolve to inquire of the Lord. If you're still not sure what I mean about that, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. We said it. That's what I'm talking about. Putting him first and then making space for him. Return to him and cling to him. Whether you're feeling motivated or, and excited for what's ahead or whether you're feeling like completely exhausted and, and far away from the best person you could be, he's still there. He's waiting. He's constant, consistent, loving. And if you feel unworthy and undeserving, go to him. If you feel too sinful, go to him. If you feel lost, go to him. Despite our best efforts to ruin everything throughout history and the Bible, you know, God's always been making a ways for people to connect with him. You can see that all the way through. And Jesus bridged that gap to make coming before God so accessible for us, so easy for us to just call on him and wait on him. The Holy Spirit is present here. He's present with you and me. And he's just waiting. And Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So turn in toward God this year and trust him. Return to the Lord and resolve to know him more intimately this year. And if you've never turned to God before, and this is the first time, I just urge you again, just turn to him. He's good, he's faithful, and he offers you love, forgiveness for sins, and eternal life through his son, Jesus Christ. So I just want to finish by leading you guys through some of Psalm 63. And in it, David talks about how he longs for God in, in his difficulties and his times of waiting, how he seeks God in his daily walk. And I just want to read it almost as a prayer, you know, and a reminder to us. And as I read it, I just want to urge you to just make it your own this morning as you read through it with me. You, God, are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. I'm just gonna pray.